Welcome back to the Digital Dive, a conversation about tech. My name is Jacqueline. I'm one of your hosts. And my name is Darsh. I am your other host. This week, we're talking about a bunch of things. For one, we are finally having confirmation of the March 8th Apple event. On top of that, I don't know if you remember Carl Pay's brand, Nothing. The new technology brand has a new product that is rumored to launch in the coming weeks. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Poco X4 Pro, a built-in drone in the upcoming and concept Polestar 02, as well as the Samsung Galaxy Book 2 360, 2 Pro, and 2 Pro 360. Ton of cool stuff coming this week. Super excited about it. So if you like what you hear this episode and you want to make sure to hear about other tech stuff coming out, you should hit the follow button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and make sure that you get notified of every episode. And it also helps us get the show out to more people. Thank you. We really appreciate it. And let's roll the intro. All right, dude, so I feel like you were ahead of the trend with this one, the March 8th Apple event. You told me about this, like, I don't know, four weeks ago, and we finally got confirmation today on March 2nd. Honestly, yeah, I was really excited uh, about it, mostly because I've been very interested in a new set of AirPods, so I've been hopefully, I'm hoping that they come out with something there, I think that would be pretty good, especially because their tagline is peak performance. A little fun update for myself for this week, I had just gotten my AirPod Pros replaced for the, I think, third or second time now from Apple from the, for the same defect that I experienced before. And so I'm just really hoping for an upgraded version of the AirPod Pros at this point. But yeah, we've been following like all the rumors and everything we can kind of expect. And we did talk a lot about uh, what the rumors are last week. But I think what's interesting to talk about a little bit this week is the tagline, peak performance and the imagery that was offered by Apple for what we can expect from this upcoming Apple event. Yeah, I'm so excited. The peak performance tagline is bizarre, honestly. And I, I kind of love it. Like it's like a little Easter egg. And the way that the invite looks also could be an Easter egg. So what do you want to talk about first? Should we talk about the tagline or the way that the invite looks? Like the design? Uh, okay, let's do design first for those who actually haven't seen the invite yet. Kind of just describe it for them a little bit. Okay, so it's basically a Apple logo with a bunch of different colors and it looks like a hallway almost, like you're walking down. So it has like the Apple logo within the Apple logo within the Apple logo, basically. Darsh, I'm doing a terrible job describing this. Do you want to hop in? No, no, absolutely. So it, it is very much an Apple logo on like a black kind of background. And what you can see from it is that there are layers of uh, different colors. So you see blue, purple, pink, red, and orange. And at the very end, you see yellow. You're looking at it from an angle almost as if you're on the right side of it. So it does look a little more distorted, but it ultimately looks like a tunnel that's constantly changing color. I think that's meant to kind of indicate like speed, performance, uh, in that aspect, because it kind of looks like you're going into light speed or like hyperdrive. Yeah. Almost as if you'd seen like a, in a sci-fi type movie. So I think that was peculiar and quite interesting in and of itself. So that was like the main thing, I guess, with the imagery that caught my eye, especially from the video that Greg Joswiak posted onto Twitter. Uh, it was very similar. It was kind of circling around in a, in like a, almost like I was on a rail and panning around this Apple logo that was a silhouette and like a hologram. And it was just, you'd look inside the Apple logo and it was the tunnel of like looking like you're about to go into like hyperspeed. So I thought that speed is definitely going to be a big factor here, which I feel like does indicate like the presence of a potential M2 processor as well as the M1, uh, sorry, as well as upgrade to the MacBook Pro, MacBook Airs, iPads, so on and so forth. Totally agreed. Um, the way you described it was insane, uh, like very impressive. I also think aesthetically, dude, like this is one of my favorite invites that they've done. It's like simple and sleek, but it's also like eye-catching. Yeah. It has a certain level of vibrance to it that, that offers, I don't know, it, it brings you in, especially when you start looking at it as a tunnel. Like at first you could just look at it as just like a different array of layers of different colors looking at, because it all looks like smaller Apple logos as you go. So maybe we'll also see something here in terms of like smaller chipsets. So if we're maybe looking at the 
I don't know, MacBook Air, for example, the new one that's rumored to come out. Maybe we're looking to see a, I don't know, lighter a smaller version of it or a mini phone mini phone iphone sc the new update is is rumored to come at this launch and we've usually been seeing the new iphones uh coming around sometime around i think april or so usually the se's at least yes so i think this could be a very good addition as well very much an indicator of that totally yeah and also i think that like this is a wallpaper worthy uh, invite. Like I would hundred percent make this my wallpaper. And I just want to give props to the graphic designer because obviously we have no idea who it was, but whoever made this, it looks pretty cool. Now let's hop into the peak performance tagline, because I feel like there's a lot to potentially analyze there. Well, for one, absolutely. Peak performance is a very big tell here, what we can expect. And I think that is very indicative of a potential new silicon coming from Apple. And that's why I would put my money on at least an M2. The M1 was such a great chip and it offered I guess just so much new versatility to the Apple ecosystem. It brought in so many features and capabilities that we hadn't seen before. But I think that with saying peak performance, that's more of an indicator of a pro device. And that's why I think that we're going to probably see an iMac 27 inch, iMac Pro and Mac Pro. Those are the three things that I'd be betting on to see um, at this event. Almost absolutely. I totally agree. I think also we could potentially see like a one more thing that we don't know about yet. Mm -hmm. But... What do you think about the spelling of the word peak? Yeah, so that's the thing, right? Like peak is spelled P-E-E-K versus P-E-A-K. And so... Yeah, like P-E-E-K is like a cheeky glance. So I feel like we could see like a cheeky glance at something that they're going to announce in the future. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. This could be very interesting to see what kind of, I guess, devices they d- decide to bring into the lineup. Um, I know there are also just a little TLDR from the last episode. Uh, there are rumors of a new iPad Air, a new iPad, iPhone SE, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro uh, 13-inch baseline that is supposedly going to have the M2 chip, as well as a potential Mac Mini, as well as the iMac and Mac Pro that we just talked about like a minute ago. So there is definitely a lot that we could expect from this. And I think peak performance doesn't only mean, I guess hardware i feel like we could also see some software stuff like there are rumors of an ios 15.4 update which is supposed to be effectively allowing you to unlock your phone that has face id with a mask on as well so i think that's going to be very very interesting as well as universal control which has been a highly anticipated feature coming to macs and ipads and just i guess overall apple ecosystem for a while so i think that's going to be also very telling to see how apple wants to i don't know play that into peak performance yeah, dude, the mask thing like, actually makes me kind of sad because it just like shows that we're still in the height of the pandemic here. But I agree. I think also it's like weird that they announce the event so soon to the actual event, like only six days. Normally they do a week. So that is interesting to me. But I also feel like it's going to be really like I'm so excited to see their cinematography because it's obviously a virtual event again. And so like they're probably going all out with the cinematography. And so I'm actually really excited to see what they do. I feel like watching how companies launch products in this time of COVID is really interesting because some companies do like the, just tweet it and they launch and there's no event. Some companies do like the trying to make a keynote happen, even though there's no audience. So it's awkward. Some people do like the Apple amount where it's like cinematography, et cetera. And then some people are announcing stuff at MWC, which nothing actually did. So nothing is that brand started by Carl Pei and they showed a prototype of a smartphone at WDC. And he's saying that they plan to launch the smartphone by next month. So he's back in the Android game. 
Yeah, so he actually, funny enough, tweeted out on February 15th back on Android, and Android responded to him saying, we've got a lot to catch up on Carl with a winky face. So um, <laughs> I think if that's not an indicator that he is uh, doing something with Android, then I don't know what else is. But just considering the fact that he's saying that he's back on Android, I wouldn't be surprised if the device that he's back on now is their new phone. And he's probably using a very early beta of it or a prototype of it. But I think it's going to be very interesting to see how uh, Carl Pay plans to kind of offer this ecosystem of devices that he's been rumoring and talking about for so long. And considering that nothing bought the rights to the Essential brand, which I thought was an amazing phone, I never actually got to play with it, but I did love what it stood for, the ideology behind it and every way that it kind of was being presented. So I think that this will be very, very interesting. Totally agreed. Do we know anything about it beyond that it's coming out? Like I didn't, I wasn't able to find any specifics on the actual phone. That's the thing. I couldn't find anything. So when it comes to the rumor mill, it's been pretty dry in terms of nothing. And like, honestly, this, uh, you showing me this article today, this, this is probably the first time I've heard of something from nothing coming out since the earbuds, the ear ones. But supposedly last November, a company executive in India said that nothing had five new products currently in development. So I think this could be a huge, huge win for Android lovers everywhere. I think we might be able to see something here that is going to be quite interesting. Considering that the prototype was shown to executives from different companies, including Qualcomm, I think we could see like a next-gen Qualcomm chip coming to this, if not the 8th Gen 1, which I think would just already be incredible. Yeah, I don't know. It's so interesting to me that they came out with headphones first as like their first product. Makes sense, but it's not the most exciting product to launch. And so I thought that that was a really interesting marketing move because obviously they were never going to be just a headphone company. So it's interesting to me that they did that instead of the phone first. Nah, exactly. Like, it, well, I mean, the thing is with the earbuds, I feel like that's such a good way to play into everything, especially the way they launched it. So the ear ones, when they came out, were very much like limited release. Like if you wanted to get them, like you had to, you had to be in the wait list to get them. You had to have, um, I believe you had to be on the website on launch day. Plus if you wanted to get them early, then you had to actually sign up on a wait list uh, to get like an early release of the device. So I feel like building up all that hype around nothing was so ideal in just pushing to everyone that like, we're here and we're here to stay. We're going to do something. We're going to do a lot of cool things in the tech space and you guys should be as excited for it as we are. Yeah, I actually, that's true. And also if we think about like the ecosystem, like building an ecosystem out, it makes sense for them to have an earbud product and a phone because now they can kind of bundle them and sell them together. Exactly. So at least if they had the ear one out, right? And the ear one got decent reviews. Like they wasn't bad at all from at least from what I've heard about it. And so I can imagine that if the ear one had done pretty well and it was... I, it's also only a hundred bucks for one. So considering the price of it, like considering the price of it, it's a hundred bucks. So you already have that ready to go. And that was a fairly good success. So you're creating and establishing a certain level of, I guess, relevancy and not status, but I want to say a level of validity within the market. Now, when they bring a phone in, people have that kind of ideology towards nothing. Like, okay, they came out with these really cool, affordable earbuds. Now their phone has come out and they go well together. They work well together and it's built on Android. Plus they also have all of the rights to the essential brand and everything that they were doing in terms of modular design. So there's so many different things that could come from this. And honestly, I don't want to jump ahead of myself here, but I would love to see if they could bring back some kind of level of modu like modular pieces to the phone. The same way that Essential was trying to do. Because they never ended up following through with that. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the module thing. What What do you think, what do you like about it? I would love to be convinced that it's like the future. I just haven't had a life-changing experience with it yet. Well, that's the thing. Like We don't have the technology yet to actually make it the way it should. I think that with the overall, I guess, ecosystem of like modular pieces, modular, modular devices, I feel like it's a little iffy because every, anything consumer 
accessible is going to become a liability for the company. Because if you make anything user replaceable, anything put on the user, if they do something wrong, they're going to blame the company. So you have to make it in such an easy way, like Motorola Project Aura, like from years ago. I thought that was genius, but clearly they weren't able to actually get it up to spec. But I feel like the reason I like modular phones and I think that they're so interesting is more so around the idea that you'd be able to take one phone that you bought, like just a, a skeleton of a phone, and you'd be able to literally customize it to be everything you want, kind of like a custom PC almost. And so you'd be able to get the things of value to you most. So for me, I barely use my phone camera, to be honest with you. I don't, I use it for Snapchat, Instagram, uh, and that's pretty much about it. Like I don't use it very often. So if I had to compromise the camera quality on my phone for the battery life or maybe for the speakers, something that I use a little bit more, I would jump at that opportunity to be able to kind of choose what pieces you want. Or I want higher processing power. I want, the, I want my phone to be as powerful as my laptop. So putting in a processor into my phone while compromising on the camera quality and compromising on, I, I don't know, uh, whether or not it has a charging port, I would do, I would take that. Whereas some people want a charging port. Some people want a, a, a headphone jack. Like those different pieces of mod modularity that you could add to a phone, I feel like are so ideal for some people. And for me personally, I think that would be a huge selling point for me. So if they were, if Essential was able to take some of those aspects and bring it to nothing, that makes any sense. Cause nothing name is very confusing. I know, God, the fact that <laughs> the fact that it's called nothing is so annoying, like unnecessarily. It's like unnecessarily artistically minimal. Yeah, like a I little agree. bit. Yeah, I agree. like like relax. All right, <laughs> so you don't need to call yourself nothing. Like come with a, a, any other name. No, exactly, exactly. So, but ultimately, I guess my rant kind of ends there when it comes to modular devices and how I'd kind of push for it. I feel like just there are a lot of pro use. It's, it is very much a niche for people who are more pro consumers. Um, and the prosumer market would definitely be very appreciative towards being able to choose specific aspects and variables of your phone themselves and be able to fully maximize on the potential of that phone. But maybe that's just me uh, in my headspace and how I'm looking at it. Yeah, I could see that. I guess like for me, there aren't major things that I would change about my phone. So for me, like modules just add an extra element of like expense and also potential to break. So like, I don't think that the benefits outweigh the costs for me personally. But I could see how for some people it would be nice. Also, like, we're very different because I literally use my phone camera for everything. Like, I just checked recently because I'm running out of storage on my phone. I have 144,000 pictures. Have you ever heard of iCloud storage? It's a, it's a pretty cool concept and uh, <laughs> you put all your photos on there. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I want to, like, I don't trust it, to be honest. Why is that? This is not, this is not the first time I've heard this. I heard this a couple of weeks ago. No, I was clearing out someone's laptop and they were like, yeah, I just don't have any trust in the cloud. And I was like, yeah, I, was like, yeah, I know no. it's irrational, but it's how I feel. Well, I mean, for you, it kind of makes sense. You're, you're, you're a public figure. You, you are an influencer. You do have a large fan base. There are people who would probably have more incentive to hack you. But this is one of my friends. I'm like, yo, no one wants to hack you. Like no one wants to see your picture. Like, keep, <laughs> keep, keep that nasty stuff to yourself. Like no one wants to see that. Yeah, dude. It's not even like I have anything bad on my phone. Like I wouldn't take a photo with if... I wasn't okay with it going public. Obviously, I don't want them to go public, but like, I'm not taking bad photos per se, but still like the anxiety of all of my photos being in the cloud for like the leaked reason. But then also, I just don't trust it. At, like, like if something happened with the cloud and things got deleted, I prefer to have it locally and then I just back up often. But because of that, if I lost my phone or something and I hadn't backed up recently, then I would lose like all the photos that I hadn't backed up. So that does also give me anxiety. No, absolutely. And that, that's why actually I got the iCloud photos in the first place. Like I started actually paying for iCloud Drive. For one, like 
My computer for a very long time was 128 gig, or sorry, 256 gig. Before that was 128. So I found that having that extra space, that 200 gigs online was very beneficial. And for another, my photos library, I think is like 100 and something gigabytes. So I was like, okay, like this is definitely a better place to store all of it alongside all of my documents and files. So whenever anything does happen, I get to just, I can just quickly grab everything that I need. Also just being so invested in the Apple ecosystem, I find myself just constantly going back to iCloud because I just kind of need it at this point. Yeah, that makes sense. And how many photos do you have? Do you know? No idea. I have not looked. I have not looked. I actually have one file of Apple photos, like photos sitting on my hard drive that is not uploaded. So I have to check those plus the ones that I have because the ones that I have only go back until I believe I was like, I think 2014. And then I have a bunch of photos from 20, I want to say 2012 to 2014 that I haven't backed up. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I, um, I feel like everyone's photo, like camera roll is so personal to them. Like if you went on anyone's phone and went through their camera roll, you'd probably see like a completely different side of a person. Yo, it, it's straight up an invasion of someone's privacy if you're going through their photos, to be honest with you. but <laughs> It's true. Oh my God, when you hand someone your phone and they swipe, like you try to show them one photo and they swipe to the next one, it's like, dude, come on. Nah, exactly. But going back to like the Nothing nothing brand and uh, Carl Pay's new launch of his yeah, phone. <laughs> we got so off topic. No, it's all good. But I was just going to say like in situations like that, a modular piece where you'd be able to have extra storage in your phone or like be able to add an extra, like add higher levels of storage or have different, I guess, not like, micro SD cards, but pretty much like imagine your entire phone was always on a micro SD card and you could just constantly switch them out as you need, but they already have the base OS and your base things already put in there. It's just like your extra, I guess, data is stored onto a separate drive and you can just keep switching them out. So you never have to back them up per se necessarily, but you can rather just keep going. Like, I feel like stuff like that, those are very useful features that I think that a lot of people would find beneficial, especially for people who are always running out of storage. Yeah, that's actually a good point. It's kind of like the what the micro SD card slot used to be. Exactly. Like we, I don't necessarily agree with bringing back the micro SD card slot. I don't think it's the greatest idea. I think that micro SD cards are kind of dated at this point and that we can go to a lot more efficient or I guess more productive means of saving content and saving data. But that aside, within the nothing phone that we are expecting to come in the next month or so, I think that, that it would be really cool to have different modular pieces, kind of like the LG G5. I mean, I'm not saying let's go back to the LG G5 wave, like the different camera modules, for example, like you're able to add a camera grip or a projector or um, a speaker, stuff like that, just different things based on what you use it for and being able just to swap them out on the go. I feel like that's just so useful. It's such a nice thing to have, but who knows, maybe I'm not necessarily backed by a lot of other people in that respect. Yeah, I think that, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm still not sold on the module thing totally, but I could see some of the value like in the storage. But I feel like we should take a quick break right now to get a coffee. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Poco X4 Pro, a drone in a car, and one other topic. So super excited about that. And we'll be right back after the break. Back from the break, Poco X4 Pro. Uh, it's been getting a lot of YouTube coverage, actually. Um, Mr. Who's the Boss made a video on it. Tons of other people as well. It's a 120 hertz AMOLED phone with a 108 megapixel triple camera setup, 67 watt turbo charging, and a pretty respectable price. What do you think? I think that's the biggest thing with this phone that's making it stand apart from everyone else is the fact that it's a mid-tier phone that actually holds the value and potential, I guess, of something higher end just without the level of, I guess, luxury that you'd get from a higher end phone. I think it's weird that when you try to buy it from the site, it immediately brings you to AliExpress. 
That's interesting, but that's also, I feel like this phone is based out of Asia, is it not? I think it is, yeah. So being based out of Asia, I feel like having AliExpress is kind of like their version of Amazon at this point. Like Amazon is global and Amazon is definitely thriving on a global scale. But that being said, AliExpress, Alibaba, these all hold as very, I guess, strong founded, well-founded uh marketplaces across the world and in different markets that we haven't necessarily experienced yet but it's definitely something to to know and to to note yeah and i think the other it's 269 right now to 345 like that's insane for the specs that you're getting with it it does have the snapdragon it obviously doesn't have the fastest processor but i think the other things about it are pretty impressive i think one of the things that they're really highlighting that i actually don't think is going to be that significant is the fast charging it's cool but i feel like the bigger deal is a 5,000 million power battery see Here's, here's what stands out for me that I think is really interesting. So for one, it has a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack on the top, as well as also having a uh, fingerprint scanner. So those are two features that have kind of been, I guess, I don't want to say misplaced in the industry, but have definitely been a little neglected. And so bringing those two features in for one captures an area of the market that still is not trying to upgrade and move into, I guess, the future or what we believe the future should be where everything's wireless. So that's one. But then for two, I think that's just honestly incredible. You're getting a 1080p like full 1080p AMOLED display with 120 hertz refresh rate as well as 700 nits of brightness with 1200 nits peak brightness like you're getting all these features that honestly we see from like the iPhone this is the first time the iPhone 13 or like an iPhone in general has gotten 120 hertz refresh rate this is a $260 phone um, that will go up to maybe 350 so let's say $400 max you'll spend on this phone maybe with shipping and imports and stuff Regardless, $400 for this phone, and you're going to get pretty much every single one of those features that are highlight features for the iPhone. Yeah, but that's, I feel like, where it becomes, and where we often say it's not only about the specs. Like, they could have the same exact specs, but the iPhone experience could be vastly different. Like, the display quality could be better. The angles on the display could be better. The smoothness could feel better. Like, it's not just about the specs, but it still is a pretty loaded spec sheet, which does count for something. No, absolutely. I mean, we're comparing apples to oranges here, Mm, an, an orange to a yeah. golden apple if that makes sense like we're very much comparing we're comparing two very different products that are meant for two very different markets but the fact that you can get these this level of fe- this these feature sets out of a lower range phone like this i think that is a huge telltale of what poco is going for here and i'm actually really excited to hear more about it and uh just to see how it works in, lo- in the long term and honestly the snapdragon 695 may be like a mid-range processor it's pretty reliable. It may not be blazing fast, but for the most part, if you're not playing a ton of games and you're not doing a bunch of like really graphic intensive stuff on your phone, I think that it's going to be a, it'll be a pretty fun phone to have around, especially as a, such a budget phone as well. Yeah. Who do you think is going to mainly buy it? Like, do you think anyone in your personal life will buy this? Oh, no, 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 no. In my personal life, majority of my friends all have iPhones and so does my family. Uh, I actually was telling a story today to one of my roommates about how I got bullied into getting an iPhone. Uh, <laughs> Tell that I story. I want to hear it. All right. Okay, absolutely. Well, so I ended up getting an HTC One, okay. M7. Ooh. That was my first Good ever phone. phone. I'd saved up some money so I could buy it um, on contract. My parents said they'd pay for the contract as long as I bought the phone up front, the upfront cost. Given at the time, an upfront cost for a phone was not a thousand dollars as it is today. It is. It was rather, I believe, I want to say. 200 250 something like that canadian so like two bucks us it was great anyway i pretty much bought the phone and i was using it and i kept getting bullied by my siblings and my parents like oh my god we can't make a iMessage family chat and my friends would be like oh my god like i can't message you on iMessage like i hate the green bubble like i'll just message you on facebook instead and it was always just like that you're a green bubble you're different we did and we talked about this a couple weeks ago about how like apple has really contributed contributed to cyberbullying by not having and if you don't have an iphone like it's kind of not stigmatized but a little stigmatized 
So I eventually noticed that my phone started sending double texts. And now that I actually look back at it, it was probably because I was using Google, I believe at the time it was still Hangouts, as my messaging app because you could change the texting app on an Android, right? So I had Google Hangouts and there was some bug that was going around. It was sending multiple messages at once to someone, like the same message just multiple times. And so I found that I was sending that quite often to my family. My family was getting pretty annoyed about it. So I had a warranty with Future Shop. It's effectively like they got bought over by Best Buy and now they're out of business because Best Buy just took over. But effectively the way that the replacement program worked, like the warranty program was it was a replacement program. If your phone broke, they're not they're gonna try to fix it and if they can't figure it out, they're just gonna replace it. So I had noticed that my phone was sending double texts and then I went in and it sent a double text and they're like, Oh, okay, cool, like we'll replace your phone. Do you want the same phone or do you want us to give you something of the same value? And I was like, Okay, I would take something of the same value. Uh what iPhone is the same value? <laughs> And at the time, I think the iPhone 5 or 5S just came out. And I was like, yeah, I'll take that. Interesting. Actually, no, it was the 5S. Because I remember I went home with a gold iPhone 5S. And my brother was pissed. My parents were <laughs> shocked. And my sister was absurdly mad. Because when she got her phone, uh, she got the 4S. And so she, I had the 5 I was two generations in front of her. She was not happy. Wow. But that's how I ended up getting an iPhone in the first place. But that, like, funny enough, so that was, like, a big reason of it. So... When it comes to who's buying this phone, I actually can see the Poco AX4 Pro, at least, being more equipped and more ready to buy for the Asian and the European markets where Android is a lot more heavily prominent in terms of like their demographics, but also for anyone who's looking for a cheap but reliable phone. I don't necessarily know Poco's reputation in terms of reliability over time, but I could imagine that at this price range, a lot of people will be really willing to risk it. Because something, the only other thing I think you can find at this price range is probably the Moto G Power or like similar devices to that. I think the Samsung A series is also in there mm -hmm. in that mix. And this probably brings the, the most bang for your buck, at least from what the spec sheet and the way that it's presented in terms of how, how everything works with that. Yeah. I'm excited, dude. I tested out a Poco phone like a while ago and it was actually in one of my videos for like the best phones of the year. I was actually very, very impressed. I think one of the things that they do really well is creating that experience, which is one of the things that OnePlus used to do really well. Like the landing page on the website looks amazing. The product packaging is great. It's bright. It's colorful. The design of the phone is really nice. Like they nail a lot of the basics that you need to nail to like give a consumer an experience where they feel like they're not buying the cheap phone. They're just buying a good phone. And it feels like they're doing that with the X4 Pro as well. So I'm excited. Hopefully I'll be able to test it out. I would love to get my hands on it. But another thing that I definitely know I'm not going to be getting my hands on, but I'm also very excited about is the Polster O2. Damn, you're really killing it with these, eh? <laughs> Thank with these you. transitions. You're doing really good. <laughs> I like so it. Much. I like um, it. Yeah, so it's a sleek electric roadster with an integrated drone for aerial filming. Yeah, so the Polestar O2, uh, I don't know if you guys have been following for a while, and if you have, you probably know I'm kind of a bit of a car guy. I do definitely appreciate a nice car. And though EVs are kind of against every car guy's, I guess, love and passion for cars, and definitely does irk me a little bit, it is the future. I do know that electric vehicles are going to be the way we go. Whether or not you want to argue the validity behind EVs being, I guess, better for the environment, that's a whole different conversation. But just in a general sense, in terms of what like this car presents, it's very interesting. So Polestar is a Swedish electric automaker. They are very much like Tesla in the sense that they are very much focused around being the coolest kind of, I guess, car company that's not a car company. Like they want to be very tech centric. However, what they end up having that a lot of other a lot of these other electric vehicle automakers what they don't have is backing by a bigger company in specific in the auto industry. So in this situation we have Volvo being a joint venture with 
Polestar. So Volvo will be helping them in terms of building and design and kind of making this kind of come to life if they were able to actually make this concept come to life. And so it's a nod to the company's roots as a performance sub-brand of Volvo. And since it's been recast itself as an EV only market at this point, it is trying to separate separate itself, but it's still very much a Volvo uh, in terms of what it's trying to do. Now, in terms of design, I don't know, maybe this is just me. The headlights in the front of the car kind of look like a Lamborghini. And just the overall stance of it. Like, it just looks like a Lamborghini to me. It looks like an electric Lambo, which I love. Yeah, it looks so freaking cool. I mean, that's the thing about electric cars. Like, I feel like aesthetically, they look just absolutely sick. Like, there is, there are very few cars, in my opinion, that look better than a lot of the top tier electric cars. And I think it's because a lot of the electric cars are like super expensive luxury cars. Although we are kind of seeing a trickle down effect now where there are more affordable electric cars as well. But the drone thing here Mm -hmm. is very interesting because it feels a little gimmicky to me, but there are definitely people that are very into aerial photography. And so for those people, it seems like a really cool niche feature. Yeah. So, okay. So pretty much what it is, is this is the newest electric car from Polestar. So what they want to do, and this is also, this is a concept. So it's very much like they're trying to make this. They're going to see if they can put it in production, but we don't know if it's actually going to happen. But what they've effectively done here is they've taken a very sleek looking car with very luxurious interior, uh, very sporty exterior. And the interior is also very, very high tech. The way that the car works is that while you're driving, or I believe it, I don't know if they've necessarily outlined how it will work, but integrated into the car itself was going to be a drone. And that drone is trying to help preserve and produce memories, shareable moments to capture the experience that you have with that car and your partner in the car. And the, the drone can film you, can take these exciting dynamic shots um, of the car or very calm shots. And you can have those kind of pre-setup styles in the car's, I guess, infotainment system as a whole. Now, the way that technology is supposed to work is it's going to be integrated into the into the vehicle. It's supposed to be very feasible for the drone to follow the car at speeds up to 100 kilometers an hour or approximately 60 miles per hour. Um, and after filming, the drone will autonomously return to the car and then the video clips can be edited and shared directly from the 15-inch center display when the car is parked. So when Ingle... I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name because I know I'm going to butcher this, but uh, one of the executives from Polestar 2 had described the perception of European sports car ownership as kind of driving along a twisty mountain road, which can be very old-fashioned and kind of out of t- out of touch with today's concept of a shared experience. And these shared experiences, I feel like he is referring to as more social media and more shareable in that sense. So these shareable moments that people want to have, especially with cars, I know myself, I love a cool aerial shot of a car driving. I always think it looks really, really cool. So in this specific situation, I can see uh, how it would be very, very interesting. And I am reading right now, it can be deployed while the car is moving to record driving sequences, which is absolutely sick. That is wild. I wonder if any movie sets will use it. I know that like, oftentimes they have like these huge camera rigs that are much more advanced, but I wonder if like indie movie sets can kind of like leverage that or if like YouTube car channels will use it. My mind is just racing with the possibilities for it of what type of shots they could get. And it kind of also reminds me of like the Mavic, you know how with like the DJI drones, you can like pick an area and it will focus on it. And Casey used to do that all the time in New York City with like his boosted board and to be following him around. It's just such a cool shot, especially if you're the one taking it too. Like, I think it kind of feels surreal. It almost feels like you're in a video game. If you're watching it live, you can kind of like see this overhead version of yourself. Like I watched a video recently of this guy that this is like kind of a different topic, but on the same path, he basically wore goggles that would only show him his life from a third person view. So he basically had like a camera following him for 24 hours. It was insane. Like, it feels like you're in a video game. He was like, I honestly, it does not feel like I'm in real life because it feels like I'm so far removed from the person in the game. 
which is him. No, absolutely, absolutely. It, it, it is a very cool experience. And I think with this car, especially as it is a convertible, it would look really cool to see, especially in Europe, like specifically going down up and around mountain mountains and like through these very scenic routes and being able to actually see yourself driving and enjoying that just overall experience. I know myself, like I very much do look for going on drives as a sense of relief. It's, it's a very uh, relaxing experience for me. So I find that going on like a really cool scenic drive would be dope. But on top of that, then having an aerial drone to follow you is just, it's proper. I, I'm very, I'm very excited to see how um, this ends up playing out. But again, this is all very much concept. We don't know if we're actually going to see it. They have committed to turning its first concept, the precept, into a production vehicle. So there is potential for this to happen, but it is a possibility. It's very much not a confirmation. You know what is confirmed though, dude? Samsung tablets. Ooh. And Samsung Galaxy Book laptops. They have better webcams, brighter screens. They're kind of killing it. Honestly, it's a very solid offering. So this was the press event I was telling you about, the, pre, the pre-brief I got to attend. Oh yeah, Darsh got invited to a Samsung event. This is the first time I got invited to a Samsung pre-briefing. I've been invited to just join in on like the live uh, launches before. This is the first time I was ever actually given like specific access to something early and I had to sign an NDA and everything, so I couldn't That's talk so about exciting. it. That's so exciting. But now that I can talk about it, for one... Samsung, you did great with uh, the pre-brief. It was very interesting. It was like an AR type experience or not AR, but... Oh yeah, walk. I would love to hear about the briefing, like what, what it was like. So it was like you. we were given a specific login set of credentials and we can only log in from one IP address. So you had to use one device to do it. And so from that device, you would log in to this uh, website. For one, my fan was burning. It was going crazy because you couldn't use Safari. So you couldn't use Chrome. You had to use Safari or uh, Edge on um, Windows. Like it was optimized for those two browsers, not Chrome, Firefox, or anything else. So interesting. So I found that my computer was going haywire uh, in terms of uh, the fan speed. But that aside, you go in and it's like it's like you're at a Samsung event. Like you walk in in this virtual space, you see a billboard in front of you showing the new products: the Galaxy Book Two, Three Sixty, the Two Pro, and the Two Pro Three Sixty. And then you can go and follow into um, a media assets group, so you can like look at all the different media assets that you can get, as well as you can also then look at the like you can actually look at like the launch videos and stuff and stuff like that. So it was very interesting to see these computers definitely have piqued my interest. I've always believed and thought that Samsung computers were one of the coolest like Windows computers you could get. And I've, I stand by this. And I think the big thing with this computer, besides, I mean, the better webcam and brighter screens, I think it's the fact that they really are trying to rival Apple in terms of their ability to provide an ecosystem for their consumers. Because the way that Samsung has laid this out is such a way, such in such a way that it's, you buy this PC if you have other Samsung devices because they all just work together. Like that's the proposition. That's a brand proposition here. That's what they're trying to convey. Yeah, it's all about the ecosystem. I think that now Samsung has maybe the second or third best ecosystem on the market, right? I think it's Apple and then Google or Samsung. No, I, I would absolutely agree. And even when we had um, Samsung's head of smart things come onto the podcast, uh, I think this was months ago, we were talking about how they were trying to build out an ecosystem and they were trying to build out smart devices so that you could have a smart home ecosystem built into your Samsung devices. And then if you were to have a Samsung fridge, then you can control your devices from that fridge. So there are all these different aspects to it that I feel like at one point, someone will eventually just have a lot of Samsung 
products and they will just all kind of work together. But it's cool to see here, um, especially with these new computers, because they are for one, beautiful looking. They're very slim, very sleek design computers, amazing displays, the top tier specs. Like you, you're getting like the most you can get from a Windows computer, I feel like, out of something from Samsung or Windows at this point, or Microsoft. I don't think there's many, there's much other competition unless you're trying to go into gaming or something more graphic intensive. But just for a general high-end uh, luxury computer that you'd want to buy, the Galaxy Book 2 looks really, really interesting. Yeah, I think it looks really interesting too. And I also think that it's interesting when you compare it to their tablets that they just came out with as well, right? Because now they really have like this full lineup of like, if you want a tablet because you want a media consume, you can do that. But if you want a full-fledged computer, you can do this. I still don't think that computers really compare to the Mac experience in terms of the trackpad and the keyboard. I find that the trackpad is much better. Maybe not the keyboard actually, because there's been a lot of bad stuff, but I find the trackpad is much better on Mac than Windows. And so that's the one thing that I really want to actually try with these. But otherwise, I'm pretty excited about them. Like, they look really solid. The displays are great. Webcams are so important now since Zoom is such a big thing. And so I can't wait to actually get my hands on it. No, I'm super excited. I'm going to see if I can get my hands on a uh, on one of them as well. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, in particular, I want to talk about the 360 abilities and its connectivity. So the all these devices now have very similar to handoff type features that you'd see on Apple devices in terms of their ecosystem, uh, as well as the, I, I forget what it's called, and we were just talking about it earlier, but uh, the feature where you'd be able to like use your mouse on your laptop and then transfer it over to your iPad. They brought this feature to the Samsung Galaxy Tab as well as the Galaxy Book. So you'd be able to do both, at, like you'd be able to use both devices as an extension. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, dude, I feel like this is a lot of potential to be something that I liked this week or whenever, whatever week I get to try it, which is my terrible segue to stuff we like this week. The part of the podcast where Darsh and I talk about things that we've enjoyed this week. And I'm going to throw it to Darsh for the first thing. Absolutely. Okay. So my first stuff that I like this week is actually a TV show I've been watching. It is mature rated just for the I guess some oh of the subject God, matter. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> okay, it's, it's, a show. Okay. It's, it's a comedy. It's a comedy. It's kind of like Modern Family, but it's a little bit more racy. Uh, like a little more like raunchy. Ooh, okay. Uh, it's called Shit's Creek. It's a Canadian TV show, which I have a certain sense oh, of vibe with. Um, and it's on Netflix. And I started watching it last week. I just, I was bored at home and I hadn't watched a new TV show in a while. So I was like, forget it. Why don't I just start it? And I am now on season four um, out of six. Uh, it has been, it has been probably about a week now and I, I've gone out four seasons. It, it's, it's a really nice show. I thought it was really interesting. The premise is a uh, very, I wouldn't call them famous, but I guess famous, influential, and uh, rich, uh, like this rich family had eventually lost everything and had to move uh, to a town called Shit's Creek. And uh, it's their experience living there and uh, trying to like pick themselves back up, get back on their feet, figure their life out. And it follows like, a, it's all Canadian actors from my understanding. The main character Two of the main characters, the father and the son, are actually both the writers, like the creators of the show, as well as... Oh, in real life, you mean? Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah, they're they're the creators wow. of the show in real life, and it's actually father and son. That's so cool. Like, they're actually, he's actually, they're actually related. Like they're actually a family, and then their daughter as well. She doesn't play the daughter in the show. She plays a different character, but she is also in the show nonetheless. So it's just very interesting. That's actually really cool. I love that. Like, I think families working together can either be amazing or terrible, but like... It, oh god, that's just so cool! I'm definitely gonna. I watched the first episode, dude. I don't remember how I felt about it. Now I'm gonna have to go back and check that out. It it takes a couple episodes to get into. Uh, I I will say that. Okay, interesting. I tend to like shows that I can immediately like, but I feel like when you get a recommendation from a friend that it's good, it's like easier to just stick with it and have trust that it's gonna get better. All right, my first one, dude, is like very very self pluggy, but I just posted the March logo, and the idea for it is basically 
uh, like the dreamscape is like fake spring, basically like fall spring, the type of weather where you don't know, like you can either, you're equally as likely to bask in the sunshine as you are to have to run for cover from like a bomb cyclone snowstorm. So that's kind of the dreamscape. Half of the logo has snow all over it. And then half of it has like daffodils and like spring vibes. Um, And that just came out on, I guess, Monday. Damn. Well, I actually, I saw, I saw uh, some of your posting of it on uh, your Instagram, on Twitter. I thought that it looks absolutely dope. I am actually definitely going to be uh, downloading. I kind of want to keep track of them. And at the end of the year, kind of psychoanalyze each of them. Ooh. For for the shits and gigs. I feel like that'd, <laughs> yeah, be, dude, that'd be fun. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like if anyone like looks at every single reference, like they would actually really get to know me because since it's happening every single month, it's like basically everything that I've enjoyed that month gets in the logo. So like, yeah, if anyone like really like went through my Instagram, they would see a lot of what I'm into. But yeah, I'm super excited about that. And I'll throw it back to you for your next one. Yes, yeah, so this is my second and probably my last one. I haven't done too much this week, just been kind of uh, grinding out through uh, midterms, but I would actually give mine to Kits. I don't know if you ever heard of Kits, kits.ca, kits.com. It's a uh, glasses and eyewear website. So uh, I pretty much got an eye test done last week and I found out that my prescription had changed ever so slightly uh, in terms of like specific aspects of it. I don't necessarily know what they're called, but I know that it did change ever so slightly. So I went and got like I ordered a new pair of glasses. But the reason I wasn't I was very hesitant was to like to buy a new pair initially was I would just didn't want to spend the money on it. And so Kits actually is very a very interesting brand. They have a buy your first pair for free pretty much. And the only thing you pay are like the add-ons. Like if you like your lenses are included, but you can pay add-ons to those lenses to get different coatings. And then also if you want to get like a case with it or stuff like that. So I ended up buying a pair that I saw in store at like like a regular like glasses store, I'd found a very similar pair on kits. I'd ordered them. I only spent $30 Canadian. So like a dollar US and I got them in three days and they are, I love these glasses. Like they're vintage, but they also look, I guess, industrial, but also look very, like very nerdy. Like I like the vibe of it. So I, I thought it was a really cool website. I think that it's honestly really dope. I'd highly recommend anyone uh, who's looking to get a new pair of glasses right now to go check them out because you might be able to find exactly what you're looking for at a much lower price than you'd buy at any actual retail store. I want to see a picture of you wearing them now. I will absolutely send it to you as soon as this episode is done. <laughs> okay, sweet. My last one for this week is also kind of not like the most exciting one, um, but it's a physical calendar. And so I literally got this three weeks ago and it has changed my life. I put it right next to my bed. And so like right now I just have so many different things going on in my life and like a bunch of different areas and it's a lot to manage. Like today, every single hour I had a different thing. And so the physical calendar really helps me see the week as a whole and feel like I'm getting stuff done. I'm being productive and GCAL like still runs my life, but having the physical calendar lets me see it from a broader bird's eye view. And so I've been really digging it. It's been helping me a lot. I just posted something about it on Twitter too, because I feel like everyone needs it in their life. And so that's my last one for this week. I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode we love recording these. Literally, it's like the highlight of our week every week. And so if you enjoy it too, definitely hit the follow button on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to Adil Constantine for the incredible intro outro music. Thank you for listening. New episode next week, 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. Thanks so much for watching, guys. So listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. And again, if you have not already, go check out our social medias at Digital Dive Pod. And also make sure to drop us a review whenever you guys get a chance on Spotify or Apple podcast. It means the world to us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, we'll catch you guys next week. As Jacqueline said, 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. See ya.